All right, we are live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I am Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. And Terrible Troy will be here a little bit later in the program. I don't know what's going on, but he'll be here. We are joined by Scream Queen, Brooke Lewis Bellis, and it's very good to have you back. Guys, first of all, I'm honored to be here. Can I just say an acknowledgement to all of you that I could sit and watch your intro commercial, oh, thank you. <laughs> what, you know, video and song like a hundred times, and I get I get like teary eyed every time I do, honestly, because it is such historic horror, iconic content. The people, so many people I consider dear, dear friends. People I have filmed with. People I have spent over. 15 years now at horror conventions next to talking with it just I just get just my heart fills with like love and gratitude so I'm honored to be here and, and after only a month I'm so excited and we get to talk more Slime City Massacre and and horror stuff thank you for having me back thank you for being back and thank uh, by the way thank it's two minute cage uh does our theme song and uh sorry I didn't want to interrupt you Trista but I just want to say no, uh no, no. Uh, re- recently, we had a problem with the website, and uh, we had 15 years of content uh, was almost lost, but I've been restoring it all. And going through all of that, though, I had the same thought. I was like, wow, we've uh, there's been a lot of people on the show, Angus Grimm and uh, Ben Chapman from the original Creature from Black Lagoon and, uh, and modern people and stuff. And it is a, it's a proud feeling to know that all these people have been on the show. You should be proud, you guys. You've done an incredible job. You really have. Yeah, it's very good to have you back. Yeah, it's only been like, uh, but it was cool because the last time was a whole bunch of people, and uh, we had both of us. We thought we you were so much fun on the show. It would be good to have you back and do a one-on-one interview. Or I guess a one-on-one-on-one on one interview. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. Yeah, and by the way, tonight uh, a lot of people uh, were uh, retweeting this and sharing it on Facebook. It took me a lot of time, but I printed out all the names. And I've got them all in here. And then at the end of the show, we're going to give out uh, a copy of Slime City Massacre signed by Brooke herself, which was very a very great idea by her and uh, very nice of her to do so. Even still in the plastic wrap, you guys oh, nice. see? And I will open it and autograph it. Very good. I was tempted to put myself in here, but but I, I, I won't. I'm not always <laughs> a so uh, last time we had you on, uh, you were talking about Red Rooms. I don't know if there's any updates on that. So honestly, not too many. And I will say this, and I hope it's a great way to open the conversation. And again, shout out to my kindred soul, Susan Lanier Bramlett, who you had on the show, and she was talking a bit about Red Rooms. So that's kind of what, you know, introduced the conversation with us again. So Red Rooms is an incredible horrific piece and it is so incredibly intelligent and I would expect nothing less from Joshua Butler and let me rewind a second so Joshua Butler and I met on the horror circuit back in 2008 when we were on the circuit with Robbie Bryan's I Murders and which I got to star in with Tony Todd as we were just talking about the amazing Tony Todd and Josh and I met he had had vlog that was just produced by Twisted Pictures, which he was so fortunate to then have it picked up by MTV, which became a TV series. And that's like no easy feat. You know, now a lot of things are being picked up for streaming, et cetera, et cetera. But back then, that was not an easy feat. So he went on to do that. And he went on to become an incredibly successful television director. That being said, 
we became not just business associates, but best friends for many years. And we would have very intense conversations about where we wished and hoped one day our careers would go and what we wanted to create and make. And so long story, many moons you know, ago, it started and here we are. And what ended up happening was we had a conversation about potentially doing something like a vlog sequel about a year ago. And we started having development meetings, cut to, I give my very long stories, I will try to shorten them, but um, the important notes are that in the fall, I had been involved in a bunch of projects he and I decided to shoot a proof of concept for a piece for this vlog sequel. And then the pandemic hit. And so I was very early on inspired because I'm like, I can never sit still. And I actually had been very sick the first couple of months of the year. So by March, I was going crazy. And I'm like, I've got to stay creative during this isolation time. So I reached out to Josh again and said, now feels like the time I have a vision of how we can create something during the pandemic, stay creative so we don't lose our minds. What do you think of this? And I pitched him a similar idea to the proof of concept we had shot in LA so that we could kind of add to it and create this streaming podcast, web series, streaming series, whatever we want to call it now. And we would do it respectfully to the pandemic and COVID with everyone in isolation. And we, but how some of the filmmakers are now going about doing this is, you know, you're shooting your own material and then sending it to the production company. We wanted to do this, the, I say this respectfully to anyone else, the professional way, the old school way. I'm very old school. And we felt that this was a great concept to attempt during this time. So we literally filmed this virtually. So we filmed every single actor in this piece from their location in isolation so that we were safe. I can't thank them enough because it's so much work on their part. That being said, we produced the hell out of it. Uh, Joshua had an umbrella story that he built around my story of having the isolation and where red rooms is very real. It's the deep, dark, dark web. It's, it's satanic, it's sadistic, where similar to the purge, wealthy people go, they pay a lot of money to, to sit virtually and watch people being abducted and held captive in these dark red rooms on the web where they pay to see them physically and mentally tortured. So I wanted to keep it realistic within our parameters of virtually shooting this as well. So we wanted to really make it what I love as an actress, especially, you know, more of the thriller psychological, like mind F, if you will. And so we did that. Josh has a whole umbrella story over it. And we did, we filmed it production, pre-production, production, and we are still in post-production. And God bless Joshua Butler, because I will say this, he is a, psycho crazy in a good way like fanatical and i'm a perfectionist but he you know has to dot every i cross every t he wants it to be absolutely aesthetically and cgi perfect so we are still in post-production we're still finishing editing and that's where we are we can talk so much more about it but i just want to say this it was an incredible experience and you know being on the producer side and philly chick pictures my company executive producer producing it sitting back and sitting in like what we had said, like a little video village, I would call in via FaceTime. Joshua would be in his production house at his house, 
filming our actors via Skype. We chose, made a very conscious choice to film via Skype. And it was so wild. Like I'd be sitting back in my own little video village, truly watching everything, giving my producerial notes that he would then give to the actors, you know, and, and giving him the space he needed as a director. And it was just an incredible experience. So anyone who is looking to do this technically, I share details because it was a wild ride. Interesting. Um, you know, cause I think, you know, so a lot of people have producer credits on stuff and, um, it's kind of like a name only. They, you know, they might have had a name and you know, to get involved, they want to produce a credit. But you have a lot of producer credits and like you were talking about there, you actually produced it. W- when did you get involved in that side of uh, the business? First of all, let me just thank you a hundred times for that acknowledgement because um, <laughs> as Tristan and I were talking about before, you know, before air, like about getting a little bit jaded in the industry, you know, and I have to be very mindful not to be. And those are the reasons sometimes just that I do feel frustrated and I want to be open about that and a little jaded because of all these credits that are being thrown around. So thank you. How I got into it was I started as an actress. I had been doing musical theater for many years and then started, you know, making a living acting as soon as I moved to New York right out of college. And when I had moved after five years almost of making a living as an actress in New York, I moved to LA and I didn't have contacts here. I had an agent. I didn't know anyone. So I'm like, okay, I can either sit on my big butt and just wait for the phone to ring as they say the old cliche, or I can like get into the trenches and start producing. And so I did, I took many classes. I took many workshops and little did I know, and sometimes, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. little did I know that I had really been producing a bit, even back in New York when I was very young while I was acting, because I was the actress that would, you know, I'm, I'm a social butterfly and I would, and I'm always like a, like, let me try to better anything that I'm involved in. So I would jump in and be like, oh, 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 you need an actor for that role. I know that actor, that soap opera star. I can bring that to the table. Or I have that location. I have a contact. I know the owner of that bar. And so I was naturally producing unbeknownst to me. So when I moved to LA, didn't have anyone like spoon feeding me anything here. I've had to work really, really hard to have what little I do have. And I do think it's very little in my humble opinion. So I started Philly Chick Pictures, my production company, and really worked hard to become what I hope is a professional producer that I'm not just taking credits. I've never, ever, I wish it were that easy for me. I've never just taken a credit. I have always worked for every producer credit I have. And so I think it's really important to do that to maintain professionalism and integrity. And I started reaching out to investors, to other actors who had contacts to investors, packaging myself through my little indie film company And this is now in 2002 when I moved to LA. So you see how many years we're talking now. And it's been a crazy wild ride, but it was really the only way I could create a platform for myself. I mean, I really did create my own career in LA. New York was much easier for me when you're young, when you're signed with top tier agents, you know, but LA was never my friend in that way. And so I had to create everything I did. So I had no choice but to get in the trenches and fully produce executive produce and so that's something that i'm very proud of actually did you have that in mind when you went to la or was it at a necessity once you were in la great question never in my wildest dreams did i think i would become a producer i you know 
I didn't realize, and sometimes you don't realize in life until you do something, how good you actually are. And I say that again, humbly, but, you know, like even in college, I was president of my sorority, no surprise, you know, so I was, and I was managing like a hundred crazy, you know, hormonal girls (laughs) in college, you know, managing their personalities. And so I think it takes a strong leader and a non-judgmental fair person and personality to be able to have the skills to do that. And so I look back and I go, wow, I've been sort of producing for a very long time. I was doing a lot of charity work. I don't mean to change the subject, but I'm making a point that like now these are things that come very naturally to me. And so I did it out of necessity, but probably was destined to do that with my sort of the way my mind and works in business, because I really truly want to better a project if I'm able uh, a couple times we were talking uh, beforehand too, and you mentioned here um, you knew you were good at it, and then you also said, and you say this humbly. And I always think you have to have some people call it an ego, and I think it's more confidence in yourself if you're going to make it in any type of show business. But how do you balance that with also you know without having like an ego and you know staying humble? That is an incredible question because I'm going to get emotional, you guys. Um, I'm very emotional. Just let everyone know, and I, and. I want to acknowledge the pandemic and that we're still, a lot of us are still in isolation and we're feeling a lot of heavy things and I'm very spiritual. And like, I struggle with that every day, you guys still, um, and I have to work through it. And like, it's a very fine line because I have to check my ego at the door and I've worked very hard to do that because there's a fine line between going, okay, I need to know my value. And I really want the young viewers and listeners to hear what I'm saying right now. If I can impart any old gal wisdom on the show today, you know, and ever I'd like to, and Trista, you're, you're a younger actress. And, you know, it's so important to maintain and know our value and know what we bring to the table and trust it and not give our power away. And I'm going to go here, but I love men like nobody's business. You know, I love my husband, (laughs) but like it's that much more challenging for women. And I stand behind that and not in a, I'm such a girl power person, but I'm not like a man hater in any way. It's just that I think women in this business, it's, you know, it's that fine line between, okay, if I speak my truth, then I'm a bitch, you know, and I've always been, and I struggle with wanting to be loved, wanting to be liked, wanting to be validated. And I share that openly. I'm very insecure. So like you said, you know, there's such a fine line and I get, there's, there's times and it's getting better as I get older, but there are so many times on a film set where it's me, I'm the only female producer with a group of men, you know, and I have to struggle so much with not allowing my emotions to get in, staying in that confident place, staying in that empowered place. And it is so freaking hard. So I struggle with that still, I still do, but I think there's nothing sexier than humility. And as Trista and I were having a conversation, being actresses, being in the indie film world and in Hollywood, no less, where it's probably, you know, the top of the line of what you have to deal with. And so, you know, you just want to stay clear. You want to stay honest. You want to stay honest with yourself and our, I think I'm very honest about my station in life and in the industry and where I sit. I'm not as, I don't want to steal Trista's words, but delusional. And we know a lot of people in the industry who are, you know, so I think that's, that's probably, and I'm discovering this, I'm talking to you guys to answer the question. Like, I think that's probably a big part of it is 
that epiphany of going, okay, reality check, humility, check your ego at the door, do your damn job, do it with love, passion. We do it because we love it. It's that stupid cliche, like we said, like, you know, the journey and it's like, I mean, it is, it's like, you have to embrace the journey because we have no idea what's at the other side or at the end. We just don't. And real quickly, I just want to add, cause we talked about this a little bit off air before, like if, if my, and I'm grateful even have fans, fans, or even friends, some of my business associates, when they're like, wow, I watched that interview you did. And like, I had no idea. I was signed with top, top tier agents at 22 years old in New York City. I was doing an off-Broadway equity show and making a, a very decent living at it, you know, and doing a ton of raw indie films way before my horror explosion, which I'm so grateful for, because that really put me on the map in the indie film world. But like all of those things and all of the executive TV meetings at major studios that I sat in where they were developing shows around me and stuff. Those are the things, and then they failed or didn't get picked up or the pilots that didn't get picked up. And so those are the things that you don't see. And so for the viewers and all the aspiring young actors, like I support you and encourage you a thousand percent, but just know there are no guarantees. And I don't want to say that in a negative way or be jaded, but there are none. So you do it because you love it because there's nothing else that fills your soul or inspires you. And that is why you do what you do. I think that's a. I think that's good advice, actually, for whatever you're doing. Uh, yes. You, you know, because if you do make something out of it, then it's a bonus if you love it in the first place. I don't want to take all that time there, Tristan. Did you have something to add there? Because you know, you guys were talking a lot, you know, before we went live. I do, Brooke. You're so fascinating to me because, you know, you're obviously very intelligent and realistic, and as you say, jaded in your own words. However. Like, to me, you're just a walking heart. Like, that's why I'm drawn to you and I uh, adore you because I'm definitely an empath. And that's something I see in you 100%. So I'm wondering how you juggle the dichotomy of being jaded and savvy in this business, but also, obviously, you're very emotional, as you just said. Thank you. And you know, I adore you, love you. We've shared, you know, little time together in person, but when we have, they've been very powerful. I'm getting emotional. Like very powerful and impactful moments and sad at times with people we've loved. And, um, you know, and I'm such a fan of yours from the human race. And we talked about that, you know, years ago, everyone watch Tris, watch this film. Hi, Eddie. I love you. You know, but she is, I saw her. I'm such a good, I should have been a casting director. I'm always like, that person's going to be a star. That person's super freaking talented, and you are. So, so I probably, probably, um, thank you for sharing the empathic part because you know I'm insane. I'm not psychic. My psychic friends say I'm psychic, but I'm so empathic, and I feel so much and so hard, and sometimes it's so incredibly painful, and that's what makes you a great actress, and it's what I aspire to use to be good when I think I have those few good moments that I go, wow, that was an incredible moment as an actress. I felt it, then I know I nailed it because it's so pure and so real. In, you know, and it's interesting because I'm, I'm feeling as I go, and that's such a great question, like, because I think that's where to have success as a female producer, and I'm still not, I'm still working toward this because I haven't managed it yet, it's where I think you have to separate that that 
you have to have empathy as a human being, but you have to separate that emotion from the wisdom, from knowing you're doing your job, all of that. That being said, taking it a step further to answer your question, again, to manage it, I this is something I struggle with. This is something I have to work on every day. And so how I do it is, A, I have an incredible camp of professionals around me. There's no way for me, I can't speak for anyone else, for me to be in this industry without having a support system. I mean, and that starts with, you know, family, obviously my incredible husband who I don't know how he puts up with my insanity, but my team of professionals, Lori Bertazan, who is my life coach. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have her to confide in and talk to in confidence. Um, shout out to Michelle Colt. And if you've never taken any of her actress empowerment courses, you should. She is incredible. I love you, Michelle. Um, Mitra Rabar is, is my site, one of my psychic healers of almost 20 years. So, so I have a st- like a stable, my, one of my best friends, Marilyn Aloria, she's like an incredible psychic healer coach. I have a stable of professional women that are, that surround me professionally to keep me from not going under mentally and emotionally, honestly, and keep me, keep me goal setting and keep me on point. So shout out to all of them because it's so important. And I encourage everyone in the business, male, female, doesn't matter to have a support system like that. Even more importantly to me is my personal. And that is, I am at the age and at the point in my life, and career, and they carry over, unfortunately, quite often, you know, um, that I am choosing and I'm making a very conscious effort to work with, to be around, to surround myself personally and professionally with like-minded people, with people who support one another. That means me supporting them equally to them supporting me with people who believe in me as I believe in them with people who want to bring out the best in me as I want to in them. And listen, here's a reality check. Everyone, not everyone is on your same energy path is on your same train. Not everyone wants to see you succeed. And that is not the, maybe there's the jaded bitter in me, but that is my truth. That is the truth. Like, so surround yourself with people who bring out the best in you. And for me, if I get to choose who I want to work with, I want to work with directors who, because I'm an actress who needs direction and I own that because I I get too caught up in my crazy like Virgo head here. And so I second guess myself instead of being in the moment sometimes. And I own that. And that's because I know when I have an amazing director who can pull out the best in me as an actress, right? Just shaking her head then that's who I need to work with. That's who I want and choose to work with. Someone who says, no, Brooke, I know you can do better. Kick my ass. Give me that tough love. Bring out that depth, you know, and that's what I want for my career. But I also want that in my friendships and my life. And so I'm working on that diligently too, because there's a lot of negative energy uh, right now in the world. Let's say, obviously, realistically, and my heart breaks for people who are suffering, but also prior to COVID, I think I'm just at a point in my life and the industry has changed so dramatically and so drastically over the last 10 years, as we know. And I remember my heyday, like 2000, my hate, like my heyday in horror, let's say that. So 2007, 2008, 2010, 2011, it's so different for me. And I can only speak for me now. Um, and so I want, to manifest that again. I want to manifest even I'd rather, 
and I know I'm rambling, but I hope I'm, I'm giving good advice and helping women, especially who are watching this right now. Like all I want is to manifest, even if it's, it's quantity over uh, quality over quantity, sorry, but quality <laughs> over quantity, right? Right. And if it's, I don't need to do five films a year, but let me do one or two incredible films or streaming series or what have you with wonderful professional people. I'm good at this point. Like I'm honestly good. I know that was a lot, but I hope it helps someone. Uh, by the way, uh, Troy is here uh, with us, and uh, Gregory Lamberson here in the chat room says, Hello, Troy, and he missed you uh, last time. Uh, I know. Hi, Troy. Welcome. Listen, dude, we're getting, like, super deep here. We're, like, having like, intense, like, this is, like, like, a therapy session. I know. I was just kind of absorbing everything. I was just kind of... Big notes. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Greg also, Lamberson, like good, sorry. solid advice. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, no. no, I was just saying, Greg Lamberson also added, doesn't L.A. suck, with a question mark. No. <laughs> okay, first of all, out of my acknowledgments at the end, Greg Lamberson's at the top of the list. Greg, I love you. Shout out to our Slime City Massacre crew. Everybody, happy anniversary, our 10-year release. Slime City Massacre and Slime City, the, the double DVD, check it out, buy it, support us. One of my greatest experiences ever, ever on an indie film. And again, when I say, and I'm going to cry again, I'm, uh, Greg knows I'm a big mush ball. Like when I say, and we, we went through, I have to repeat it with what we experienced on the show last time with the reunion, like talk about working with like-minded people who are super freaking intelligent super hardworking, bust their ass to create something that they're passionate about. Shout out everybody. Gotta, I, and I'm not in it. I'm not in it, but I got to shout out to Widow's Point, Greg's new film that I rented to support on demand. So good. And Craig Sheffer, forget it. Incredible performance. It really Incredible. Great I won't yeah. take more time with that, right? Yeah. So yeah. everybody check that out. But I love you, Greg. And just, yeah, LA is challenging. It's challenging. So that's why I have to have my stable of like therapists all around me. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. real quick. And in Widow's uh, point, he really, um, he's like right on the borderline of over the top, but he totally works in the movie. Uh, he, he, he's perfect. Totally. In the movie. Yeah. And totally. I don't want to spoil the movie, but the, the, end, know, the end is amazing. Yeah. Yes. And you know, Greg, because I'm so glad he's watching. I'm so honored. I love him so much. And I can't wait to do Slime City Apocalypse with him and the beautiful Debbie Rashawn. <laughs> he's going to kill me right now. But I'm so <laughs> glad you're watching. But, um, you know, you know, everything with Greg is slightly over the top. But right, right, that's right. Greg. And that's what we love about yeah. him. And that's why he hires actresses like me. And so, but yeah. you also Killer know Rack is not a really all... grounded, you know, realistic film, which you might <laughs> exactly. think by the title. But yeah. <laughs> right? But let me say this, and the one thing that always drew me to Greg's work was, and especially Killer Rack, and people like gave us so much shit for Killer Rack, but number one, it's always the subtext. The subtext in every piece that Greg does is brilliant. It's so smart. If you really read into it when you read the script, you know. And the other thing is, you know, I'm such a natural born philanthropist that when we did Killer Rack and we did all kinds of breast cancer charities, you know, with it and all, I mean, it was so amazing. So powerful stuff. And that's the kind of stuff I want to be a part of. Yeah. I would think if you just saw the name and uh, maybe the premise, you would think it's a totally different kind of movie and maybe it's like exploitation kind of movie, but it's not, uh, like you said, the, the subtext is, is totally different. 
But along those lines, before you knew Gre- before you knew Greg, and Slime City Massacre comes up, and you just see the name, like what, what do you think initially? You don't know him yet or anything, you know. I don't, and you know that was a hundred years ago. That was actually Greg and I first were introduced, beginning of two thousand eight, because that's when my first real introduction. I mean, remember I had done Tony and Tina's wedding off Broadway. I had done. Um, I had a little recurring role on the Fox sitcom Quintuplets. Like, so I had done a lot of comedy and monster movies and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Pride and Loyalty, which is on Amazon Prime with Kendall Vecchio. And so then I had my first real introduction when I, after 2004, I went to Sundance. I'm going to get to it, but I went to Sundance 04 and watched um, the original Saw and knew that something was going to happen with the psychological like horror. So I went back to someone I'd worked with a lot, Kendall Vecchio, back in New York. And I just moved here. And I said, okay, I will work with you and produce with you and executive produce with you. I will be your LA liaison. Let's create or you can write a like psychological horror thriller for me. I will, and I, I really had no introduction into horror myself yet. I was just a fan. And so we did that long story long. It became, it was titled Polycarp. And I got to work with the most incredible actors, God rest his soul, Oscar nominated Charles Durning from Dog Day Afternoon and Tootsie and Michael Perret, Eddie and the Cruiser, Streets of Fire, who I love to this day. He's my friend. And Brandon Slagle, who's gone on to become not just an actor, but a really good director. And so these awesome people, Eric Edabari from Witchblade, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so it gets picked up. Um, Universal picks it up. And then Showtime picks it up, which little did I know, I was born then to be a new It Scream Queen, again, said humbly. But so 2008 gets released. Showtime picks it up. It airs like three nights a week for two years. I'm getting fan mail. I'm getting, it was like blew my mind. And back then, you know, this film was shot on 35 and we were like, and it's on Showtime three nights a week. I mean, it was nuts. So, so it really was my first and they're calling me a new it screen queen. So it was like, this is amazing. So that being said, I then long story long went on to do, I'm saying it for a reason. I went on to then do I murders, which was my next direct direct offer, which I was one of the executive producers, Robbie Bryan's film, which I got to star with Tony Todd and William Forsythe and Gabriel Amor and Frank Grillo and blah, blah, blah. Unbelievable. So I bring it up because here's two mystery thrillers and I am such an OG Hitchcock fan and an OG Brian De Palma fan. Shout out to Stacey Lane Wilson. So that was my jam. I was like, okay, I'm going to become like a Hitchcock. Like, I'm going to be the next, like, Tiffy Hedren, you know, who I love, who I've done horror conventions with, the beautiful, beautiful woman she is. So that was sort of my dream goal, or Nancy Allen in Blowout. And so then Will, as we mentioned, uh, from Horror Yearbook at the time, comes and makes an introduction to Greg Lamerson and I, and he's like, you should look at Brooke if you're going to do Slime City Massacre. You're going to do the sequel 20 years later to Slime City. So this is way more cult underground you know raw horror which i love as a fan but hadn't done it so greg sends me the script and says take a look there's a few roles you'd be great for you know if you want to come on and help produce so i ended up coming on as a co-producer and brought a bunch of stuff to the table i hope and so um i read it and i just right away and and here's a here's a choice just to share for other actresses watching i ended up choosing a supporting role I chose the role of Nicole, the prostitute from 1959. 
I just, she spoke to me. She spoke to me and then there were other logistics around it with shooting schedules. And so I did that. But when he first sent it to me, I'm like, okay, I just was on Showtime, had a film distributed with Universal, Eye Murders, uh, Stars on TV and Anchor Bay at the time, you know, and I'm like, okay, do I do a film with the title Slime City Massacre? And Greg's like, just shut up and read it. And you know Greg, he's such a straight shooter. He doesn't mess around. He's like, just shut up and read it, Brooke. You're going to like it. So I'm like, okay. So I read it. I fall in love with it. I fall in love with Nicole. I fall in love with Greg's intensity and passion for the project. He sends me a copy, a DVD of the original Slime City. I fall in love with Robert Sabin and Mary Bogle. And I'm just like, okay, I've got to do this. And I do my due diligence and I start researching online. I start researching the original. And I'm like, this is a cult classic. I'm like, what an incredible honor to be a part of a sequel to a cult classic that has a built-in fan base that has this like really old school New York energy and vibe. And I'm in LA at this time by now, right? So I'm like, gotta do it. I gotta do it. And I, the end of the rest is history. I mean, and then I brought him, um, Lee Perkins that got to start it and Debbie picked the lead role to play and it, it just and Lloyd Kaufman does a cameo and so for all the old so I learned so much from Greg and I learned so much from Debbie Rashawn who is such a brilliant beautiful not only actress human being I love you Debbie she's so talented and so it was such a great introduction for me into the cult world of horror and I would do it again when we well I will when we do Slime <laughs> City Apocalypse. Yes, I was very happy that uh, after the uh, the Slime City Massacre show we did uh, on Twitter, it became you know uh, almost trending. It went viral. Yeah, yes. it went viral thanks to you guys. So now we have to do it. Good. It shows Greg that there's interest there. So I hope hopefully something comes of it. He's going to kill me right now. He's going to tell me to shut up and tell me until we can raise over three hundred thousand dollars, we're not doing it. I know him so well. Um, let's see. AJ wants to know uh, the scream queen. The scream queen title is such a huge honor. What past or present scream queens would you love to work with? So it is a huge honor, and again, it's something that I don't. I want the horror fans and viewers and friends to know, like it's not something. And I've spoken about this for years now that I take lightly. It was I didn't wake up one day and just go, okay, I'm going to go you know, pour blood on my boobs and become a scream queen. Like, I truly... I tried that. It didn't work. On me. <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, really, again, Kinky Killers with the Showtime situation is what bestowed the title upon me and then, you know, Imers. And so, and then Slime City Massacre solidified it. So, for me, I've always said this, and I will quote what I said on the red carpet at the Spike TV Scream Awards 2010, and for me, a scream queen is like a powerful, talented actress in horror. And I'm honored is right. And so for me, I mean, I've got to shout out to my girl, Susan Lanier Bramlett again, who's one of my soul sisters. And I've actually worked with her now several times in Red Rooms. She's one of the stars of Red Rooms. But we also did, everybody go check out Susan Lanier Bramlett's video that I got to star in with her and Michael Berryman. So you want to talk about like real deal horror, The Hills Have Eyes. And we did Watch What You Asked For in 2012. It's such a cute music video. So love you, Suze. Um, I have gotten to, God, I have photos off to send you guys. I mean, I've gotten to do horror conventions, first and foremost, like Adrian Barbeau. 
I mean, to me, I, I would give anything for her career. You know, she was a, she's a brilliant actress. She started on television. She did the crossovers, you know, I mean, Creek Show, The Fog, I, I could list on and on. She's incredible. Um, and then, so I look at like, to me, those are my inspirations. Like Susan D. Wallace, Cujo, The Hills of Eyes, you can go back even further. These actresses that I would give anything. And then I have to shout out to Ms. Vampy's favorite actress in the world, which is Elvira. Cassandra. I mean, again, she's such an icon. So, you know, and I was a little girl watching Elvira practically, you know, we all were. So those are those. And then, you know, on the, on the indie scale, there's just so many brilliant, and I don't want to leave out any of my friends, but, you know, Debbie Rashawn, like I mentioned, and I've known the beautiful Tiffany Sheppis, and she's a child in New York, practically, you know, and she's so talented and Melissa Rose, and we've all worked together at this point, you know, so I have to mention them. And then let's shout out to the next generation. Let's talk about Trista, who I think is brilliant. And let's talk about Jessica Cameron, who's a dear friend of mine. And let's talk about um, Devaney Pinn. And I mean, and Deborah Lamb, who we talked about, who we talked about has had like I, the ebbs and flows and keeps pushing through and sticking it out and kicking ass. So, you know, for me, and I'm probably going to get in trouble when I say this, but I'm going to speak my truth like I always do. It's not a title you just wake up one day and go, that's, I'm a scream queen. It's a title that you earn. You pay your dues. You do good work. You kind of earn it. And so, and I know there's so many more, please forgive me that I'm forgetting, but um, that's, you know, oh, and I'm sorry. I have to shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis because she's oh. my end all be all obvious pick. So there you have it. Yeah. They're all great picks, honestly. Yeah. Adrian Barbeau is one of my favorites well. Multiple-time guests, but not since we've been to video. We'll have to get Adrian back on. Get her back. You'll have a million viewers. <laughs> Thank you for including me in that. I meant it. You know that. Human I rights, agree everyone. As well. yeah. And not just because she's uh, my fellow, our fellow creep here on the show. I agree. <laughs> yep. uh, Greg wants to know, do you sing? <laughs> he just wants to Bust my balls, doesn't he? He wants to bust my balls. I love you, Greg. He, so, so, <laughs> where do I begin? Not anymore so much. I, I used to, yes. So it was part of my thing when I was doing, I was a musical theater girl. So I had, I was a one-hit wonder in college. Yes, I was. And <laughs> in New York and New Jersey, I was signed with a record label, and I had one hit titled Get Me Off Your Mind, Yes, I Said It, which Metropolitan Records released. I used to do, like, obviously with my big hair and I'm like a Philly, Jersey, New York girl at heart, you know, so I would go and dance at, like, the dance clubs in New York and stuff. They called me a little Madonna back in the day, and I would sing, lip sync, this song. However, Greg brings it up because, trivia question, does anyone know, I'll let the fans, anyone watching, does anyone know what film it it was in? It was it was part of the music in this film. Anyone want to answer? I don't know. Does Trista know? I thought her eyes kind of up. Oh, oh, I see. I'm, so, I, I'm sorry. I do not know. Greg knows. What scene in what movie did we use Get Me Off Your Mind, the dance song? I like how you turn this back around on him. Yeah, nice yeah. work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's in Killer Rack. 
It's in Killer Rack. It's in a scene where they're dancing. Like, there's dance music. It's freaking hysterical. And now, I have to be honest, like, it's become like a trend. In fact, I got a shout out for those of you who like films outside of horror, a really, really incredible indie gem of a comedy that I did, like a dramedy that I had an amazing role entitled Half New Year, which was on demand one year ago, came out on demand for three months. And such an incredible role for me as Pandaluka. Shout out to Drew McEnany, who's like my little brother in real life and the movie. And Tom Rash, our director, Georgia Manides, and I don't want to forget anyone, but I bring it up because they needed a dance song. And, oh, I got to shout out to Rochelle Royale, who's freaking hot as can be, and she really composes a lot of the music that's in the film. She's an incredible singer and dear friend of ours. Um, but they used, they needed one more dance song for like a, like a party scene. So we used Get Me Off Your Mind in Half New Year as well. And it's like, why not? You know how much money I'm owed in residuals from the company? Listen, Everybody in indie music knows it's it's probably worse than our residuals in indie film. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's wondering if he's being interviewed now. But uh, uh, John, <laughs> John Wood says hello. He is in here. Oh, wait, John? John yeah. Wood? Yeah. We love John Wood. Oh, John, I can't turn my computer around because I'll mess up my whole jam here in my office. <laughs> but... John, I have the most amazing gift that John Wood, he's, he is, has been the biggest, like, Slime City Massacre, Killer Rack, fan, friend, supporter. Debbie Rashawn and I love him. And he has, has illustrated and created and designed the most incredible gifts for Debbie and I. And I have on my wall, I don't even know if John knows this, I'll have to take a picture and tweet it later. He designed and drew the most incredible picture of me from Killer Rack, but it's like a little like bunny suit for Easter. And I look like a little Playboy, like a pink Playboy <laughs> bunny with pink uh-huh. bunny ears. It is the cutest thing. I have it on my wall. I do to all, I'm going to cry. Not like to, even for me to say it is like weird because again, I'm so humble about, but I have fans. I still, and I thank you all. And I go to my office PO box and I still get, I'm so grateful because yes, I get a ton of email, you know, fan mail, but I still get hard copy fan mail. Of course, everybody's asking for autographed pictures and autographed DVDs and someone's going to win one tonight, but I still have that. And I'm so blessed and grateful for it all these years that it just makes me feel like I did do something right in this crazy industry. And so, so I do get a lot of gifts from fans still from clothes to illustrations. And I have a whole side wall over there with some of my favorite just pictures, illustrations that people have gifted me over the years. And thank you, John. Yours is there. And I will tweet. A, oh, I'm spitting. I will tweet. A, <laughs> I'm getting emotional. And I'm like trying not to cry. I will tweet out a photo later of that beautiful bunny picture. Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. I want to see the bunny Aww. picture. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So cool. Uh, we didn't get to, uh, we talked about him last time. Michael here passed away. Um, but do you have any specific uh, memories or stories that stand out to you? I do. And fortunately, I was blessed to work in scenes with him, quite a few uh, on Slime City Massacre. So I can say personally, in this business, I have worked with a lot of actors and I've been very fortunate and I've been unfortunate at times. And he is one of the fortunate ones. And I don't say it because he should rest in peace right now. We recently lost him for all the Slime City Massacre fans. Um, very sad. And so he was just one of the kindest, most generous actors in every way. And Trista will attest to this. Like when you get an actor to work opposite who 
truly wants you to, like I said earlier, do better, be better, wants to hold you up and uphold you to whatever you need as an actor to bring out your best. That is what Michael gave to everyone that he worked with. He couldn't work hard enough on that film. And I know Greg says on many others where he just gave and gave, and he was a local Buffalo hometown guy who worked his butt off to do what he loved. And that's what I'm talking about. He had so much passion. He was a theater actor. And the biggest thing I remember is honestly, some of my favorite still photos of any film come from Slime City Massacre and Michael shot them of me and the one that you have two, the two that you have actually on the beautiful banner that you guys made for me for the show. And thank you so, so much. But the one of Nicole with the cigarette with her hair fall from 1959, he took that with me slightly turning and it's one of my favorite pictures ever. I use it as one of my autograph still shots for conventions and stuff and autographs for fans. And then the one where my hair is kind of crazy big, which I love. And I'm looking to the side, and that's one of my favorite photos from Science City Massacre 2, and that's on the banner. And thank you. Rest in peace, Michael. He was amazing. Good. Yeah. That's uh, how I got uh, Trista to agree to be on the show, because she thought she looked cool in the banner I made. And then she agreed to... That's true. I'm very ego-driven. <laughs> See that. She's very ego-driven. <laughs> no, she's not. She's so sweet. So sweet and so humble. I want to, can I fire back a question? I'm interested. You asked me such great questions and yeah, like I want to fire back to you. And maybe you can teach me something because I'm learning every day still. And I know I'm older than you, but how do you manage it? How do you manage the balance of the craziness and the negativity of our, especially the indie film world, you know, and what we, I know that we're now like things just get rapid fire at us, you know, it's like, how do you manage the balance of staying, staying, choosing healthy projects for you and dealing with the sort of competition and negativity that we sometimes deal with? It's a great question. Um, I was not prepared to answer questions, but um, I don't know if I know the answer. I try to, I, 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 I try to glob on to like-minded people. Um, we have a lot of mutual friends. There's a lot of good, smart people that are doing it for the right reasons. And um, in my life, I think I've been very, very fortunate to meet a lot of those people. And then I'm almost surprised and hurt and confused when I stumble upon people that aren't like-minded and aren't doing it for the right reasons, because maybe I'm a little insular. So I might be like on the sheltered side rather than jaded, uh, because I've, been, I've just been very fortunate to work with good people and work with my friends. And I feel so convicted, maybe almost too convicted. Like maybe sometimes I see people uh, peers or colleagues and I'm like oh this person's not taking themselves that seriously and then I check myself I'm like well life is short like is my art like really this serious like I'm not a doctor like maybe it's not that serious you know what I mean so I think constantly checking myself and and I thought about doctor because because my roommate's a doctor and we're in a pandemic and everything is scary and um that 
helps me stay humble. You know, that's a real quick reality check when I'm just like, oh, people didn't like my movie. And she comes home like, oh, I saved a baby's life or like a man died. And, you know, like life and death stuff uh, helps me keep things in in perspective, I think. So Um, reality. Reality, I try. Reality is great because I was telling you before we started recording that I worked with Deborah Lamb and we had this, you know, she has stuck it out for a long time. And we had this conversation about delusional people and how sometimes it can be, um, you know, if someone tells me their movie is changing the world, uh, I, I have concerns, right? Or like their their vanity project is like, is life altering? I have concerns. If someone like Suze, I was very struck by her wisdom, having her on the show and her saying like, look, I'm not saying my career is the most important thing. There are more important things in life right now. Um, I'm, she's also a Renaissance woman. She's hugely talented, huge, hugely aspirational. Uh, but her uh, humility and wisdom and intellect is just as uh, strong as her talent. And, and I really admire her and people like that. And it makes sense to me that you guys are friends. And I'd love to know more about your friendship with her, actually. Let's go on. Yeah, actually, I was just going to say, speaking of Susan, she's such a great example because she's such an inspiration for me. Um, and we met, funny enough, almost 14 years ago doing, we were the two Scream Queen guests on a radio show. So it was in studio years ago and we both had films that were releasing. So, and we bonded instantly, you know, we're both short, we're both voluptuous. She's like, well, you know, I mean, it's, but that being said, she is, I have, I feel, and I want to be very respectful when I say this, you know, I don't always feel like I have that many and I have so many incredible female women in my life. So let me say that a lot of them, I'm interestingly enough, these days are not in the industry. So that's good. It keeps me grounded, but Suze is. And I find sometimes like you just said, and I love Deborah Lamb too. She's such a great spirit. We were saying that her energy, we love you, Deb, your energy. Um, but a lot of times I find women to be delusional in the industry, you know, and think that they are Jennifer Aniston when they're doing, you know, indie films like we are. And it's like, okay, no, a lot of our peers are not even making a living acting and producing. Let's be honest about it. Stop fronting. That being said, back to Susan, what I want to say is she is one staple in my life as a woman in the industry who we actually have a very intense relatedness. So she's someone that when I'm, and we do it, and I know she always says to me, you're so wise, you're so young, but you're so wise. And she'll call me for advice, I'll call her for advice. But I mean, here's a woman who, you know, like we're very parallel in a lot of ways, but I talked to her and even though she's, you know, older than I am, she worked with Tennessee Williams, you know, on Broadway. I was blessed when I was very young in New York before, this is so cool, I just have to give a quick share, like before I ever became a screen queen or ever had a break in horror, and I'm talking like, you know, 23 years old or something in New York, I had gotten cast in a rock opera titled, at the time it was titled The Cure. It's now titled In My Blood, and I've actually optioned it. And big shout out to Mark Weiser, who's a musical genius. But 
option it years ago and we're trying to, we're working, I don't want to say trying to hit that word, but we're committed to making it one day. It's a vampire rock opera and it's a tragedy and it's beautiful and it's about a coven of vampires and it's, it's one of my passion dream pieces that I only hope I can make in the female lead role is, is a role that I would die to play and I'd have to take a lot of serious singing lessons again. That being said, I bring it up um, when we workshopped it back in New York a hundred years ago, I have the blessing to be directed by Tom O'Horrigan. He is now passed on, but Tom O'Horrigan directed Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar on Broadway, the originals. That's how old Tom O'Horrigan was. So Susan and I talk about experiences like that where we've worked on Broadway with Broadway directors where she was signed with, you know, a top tier agency. I was signed with a top tier agency. She had, we laugh about all, when we talk TV work and TV pilots, and like I said earlier, we laugh about the TV pilots that we both had done that never aired, never got picked up, never got made, whatever, you know, or aired once and then got canceled and those experiences. So we share a lot of that. And she's one of the few people I feel that in my close, close circle that I can talk to about TV stuff, about the past and what it was like versus now, you know, like Greg and I can have that conversation about indie film, but we're talking about women. So I'm very grateful for Suze for that. And I have to take the opportunity to shout out to when it comes to like TV and that higher level of conversation in the industry, shout out to one of my other best friends, which you all know, and I love you so much. And she's so one of my soul sisters who supports, and she was tweeting with us too, Denise Gossett. Denise Gossett, who is not only the owner and director of Shriek Fest, which is coming up, which I'm going to, she's one of my lists to shout out to, too. I have to tell you that um, I am a judge for Shriek Fest 2020. Know, 20 yeah. Yes. So you saw we were all tweeting that. So I have to shout out to that. I want to save that for the end, but I'll say it now. And why I bring her up is like, so Denise is another one that she's such an incredible actress. And I don't even know if people know that, you know, and I think a lot of the horror world, like I don't consider her a screen queen because she's so legit. And I don't even know if the horror world sees her and knows how talented she is versus she's the famous Denise from, from Shriekfest. So I bring her up because we will get on the phone and, you know, she's now living half in Florida and half in LA. So now it makes me sad because we used to have our coffee talks, but we will get on the phone for hours and bitch about business and bitch about you know, how we both tested for a TV pilot. So I have, you know, it's so nice to have that, like you said, Trista, like-minded women around to talk about, you know, and everybody has their expertise. I mean, I got to shout out one of my other besties, Daisy Lane Wilson, you know, we can talk about Second Age of Aquarius if you want to, if we have time, that I get to act in and she and Darren Gordon-Smith created, and it is a it's a twinge of sci-fi, so we'll stick with the genre. And everybody knows because we tweet out constantly and post stuff. And I don't know if you can see, and I'm probably going to get into trouble, but um, that was one of my birthday gifts from her this year on the wall. And it's a banner from Aquarius. Oh, Such nice. a great role I got to play. Tawny Stevens, amazing. So shout out to her and Dana Gordon-Smith and Nancy Long and Aaron Kai for the beautiful poster and artwork. That being said, Stacey's someone who is a veteran, who has been, she grew up in Hollywood. Trista's shaking her head. Grew up in Hollywood. She grew up in a famous family. Her dad is Don Wilson from The Ventures. Her mom was Bunny Bacon, rest her soul. And one of the most beautiful women you've ever seen. She's a pinup model. Anyway, I'm like praising my friends, but she's one of my besties too. Stacey and I could talk and laugh for hours, and we do, about indie film and about film. And she's such a film like cinephile. And like 
again, she's one that stays so grounded with me. And we laugh at people who we love, but sometimes who are like, oh, yes, I'm a, you know, I'm freaking Elvira. And sorry, but you're not. And I'm not. And we are able to keep each other sort of very realistic and grounded while committing to making quality work. A shout out to our film Psychotherapy, to all the horror fans. It's a short. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, on the real Amazon Prime for pay. You can watch it on Hyvio. You can watch it on, um, it'll be on Vire soon. So we did, I did a really good distribution deal with that film. So I got to star in that, that Stacy wrote me the role opposite. Shout out to horror veteran Ricky Dean Logan, who also stars in Red Rooms, who's brilliant in both, but brilliant in Red Rooms. Um, and so again, like, so back to Stacey, we commit as women to doing the best we can with what we have. And we do hopefully quality work with very little, to be honest. I mean, honest to God, you know, psychotherapy, what was it, nine grand that we spent on a short, but a quality short, I hope, just the same, you know, and Second Age of Aquarius, low budget, micro budget film, but it's pretty freaking incredible. And so that's, I feel joyful when I talk about this and when I talk about the women in my life, because I'm very, very blessed. I mean, I really, I could shout out to so many. And one of my other like soul sisters and besties, who's such a cult classic genre celebrity star, Marilyn Gigliotti from Clerks. And she's a super mega star, so talented too. And so we can have these sort of like-minded conversations. And I'm like sitting here and, you know, I think it's isolation that's inspiring me so much too, to like go through this memory, like recall and recollection of my experiences in the industry. And again, I'm probably forgetting so many of my closest friends, but just people who get it, you know, and I know Trista shout out to like Sean Decker, shout out to my horror star with bowling for boobies for breast cancer for many years. I was the co-captain with Sean Decker and Sarah Nicklin. Oh, Sarah, she's another super talented young screen queen. And these are the young ones that are, that are doing committing like Trista and, and Sarah are committing to do quality work. And, and I'm going to say this again, authentically, like, I feel like I feel bad sometimes, like again, Kiki Killers, half a million dollars shot on 35 millimeter film with big stars in it, you know, I Murders, you know, million dollar film, um, Sinatra Club that I produced for seven years of my life and got to act in with Michael Nori and Jason Gedrick and Danny Nucci from Titanic and the list goes on and on. I only bring it up because $2 million indie film. And the younger generation and slightly younger, you know, it just, the, the change happened and Sinatra Club was 2009 we shot and after seven years and it was shot on the red camp. It was one of the very first films that was shot on red. And so I bring it up because that was one of the first films I did. Oh no, Slime City Massacre. No, Sinatra Club was first. That it was spring of 2009 we shot that was shot on HD. So I had been the old school girl with the actual film, which was a dream come true. And I'm so blessed and grateful to have that experience. And I'm rambling, but making a point again that Trista and, um, you know, the younger generations and Sarah Nicklin and all these other people who are sort of being forced to do HD, they don't get the film experience per se. They're being more forced to take the more micro budgeted films because that's what is being done you know, in quantity now, and it's just a different world. Am I right, Trista? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I've shot on film maybe once, and it was a short. Uh, and it was an interesting experience, but, yeah, that's not the breadth of my work. But thank you for including me. I can, You know what I love about you, Brooke, is, like, not only do I already love you and love to listen and learn from you, but, like, all the names you shout out are, are friends of mine. So I know that you have great taste in, uh, in humans, and I think it's because you're a great human. Thank you so much. I... You know, I feel very blessed, and yes, we have, you know, I think another thing I want to say from the heart, and I think about this a lot, and I'm not saturated in it as much as I used to be, and I think there's just various reasons for that, Um, but the horror community, the community, and I don't think that, I think the reason I guess I'm not saturated in it as much now is that it doesn't fully, I don't know, Tristan, maybe you can enlighten me, but I don't know that it exists in the way it did even 10 years ago, like in my heyday, 15 years ago, you know, when I won the B-Movie Award for Scream Queen of the Year, Horror Actress of the Year, the B-Movie Celebration for Slime City Massacre, and there were, and, and all my years at Shriekfest, and all my years going to Texas Frightmare Weekend, I love you, Parrish Randall, one of my other best horror friends, and a Texas guy who's, we just got off the phone, like I was crying to him the other night, and like, all those years of going to Texas Friend Our Weekend, all those years of going to Horror Hound, all those years of being on Tony Todd and I for I Murders on the cover of Scars Magazine. I mean, now I'm going to go OG on you guys, right? Like, cover of Scars Magazine. That was a huge honor back then, you know, in 2009. I was, for all the OGs that remember, 2010, I was the Gore Zone, Gore Zone Magazine in the UK, was so hard copy magazines, you guys. They did exist. That's how old I am. But I was the Gore Zone, um, uh, what was it? Gourmet. They had like the Gourmet, August of 2010. I'll never forget it. And I was young and I, I was hot then. <laughs> and, and, you know, and dressed scantily clad. But all the community. And I, I know we still have a community left. I know it will always exist. And I was invited to walk the big main A-list red carpet, not that I was A-list, A-list red carpet at the Spike TV set, 2009, 2010. Um, and the Saturn Awards, I was there a couple, like three years in a row, again, like 2009 to 12 or whatever. I bring it up because it was such a community and there was a, a group, I would say, and of course various groups, we all know that, but it was an overall community. Now, now, just like everything else in indie film, you can live in Alaska and still star in indie films. You can live, I mean, Atlanta, Hollywood South, and half of us have migrated down there from LA, right? We know that. Trust is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying it because it's a different world now and it's spread out so much, branched out so much, so much of the, oh, I have to say this for all the old school people watching, like shout out to... I love Dread Central now, but the old Dread Central and dear, dear friends of mine, Uncle Creepy, you know, Steve and Deb and Barton. And so like they produced with Dread Central, it was, I think, 2010, the Reaper Awards. The Reaper Awards, you guys, were you there? Were you there, Trista? No, I wasn't. Just but, but, you know, Steve lost a ton of weight just like Neil did. But yeah, he, it's amazing, actually. Yeah, but it's amazing. And I was, was friends with Steve back on MySpace days when they started Dread Central, oddly enough. So. Yes, they were at our wedding, my wedding, a year and a half oh, ago. Wow. And oh. 
Yeah, yeah. So they threw, they produced the Reaper Awards, and it was at, I hope, I hope some old school people are watching because it was such an incredible memory for me. And I went, I was invited because I was like relevant then, and I was invited to present an award. It was like the best like indie, indie to DVD film or whatever of the year. And I'll never forget. And I remember like the list of people, and it was truly unbelievable and it was at the roosevelt the haunted famous roosevelt hotel in la and up on hollywood boulevard and in the ballroom and it was truly like like the golden globes like i don't know what else to say it was like the golden globes of the emmys of horror it was the who's who of horror the it people of horror i mean i remember one of the people on the list and i don't know how i remember these things but i just remember like like calling out adam green's name and calling out like joe lynch's name and all and the Bowsman, like I don't, you know, the those people. And I went, I was invited, I presented, I took one of my dearest friends in the world who I've been blessed to work with on a short film, Courtney Gaines, who you've had on your show and yeah, I've seen him in your yeah. intro. And he's one of my he's another one of my soul people who I love so much, who who moved down south. <laughs> he's in that like Atlanta movie crew now. And so um, I took Courtney as my guest and we went and I just remember and I'm I'm just reminiscing and thank you for letting me have this opportunity to do it hopefully with the old school horror folks because it was just a community and now everyone is just everywhere and doing their own thing and maybe it's an age getting older thing but like it's just different now so I'm so grateful to have had those opportunities I'm really blessed. I feel so blessed to have been in the horror community and been on the horror starlets team. And I mean, our girls with Sean Decker and I with the breast cancer for busted foundation that we did for seven years and Sean and I bust our asses, but I mean, we had the beautiful Serena Vincent and Ashlyn Yenny and women to this day who are still my dear friends, Natalie Victoria and, and Arielle Brackfeld. And I mean, I, I, Sarah Butler and just, just mind-blowing. And, and Anne McDaniels, who is someone I just adore, one of the coolest, beautiful women on earth. And so again, I could shout out to a million people, I'm probably forgetting people, but I'm saying like, just unbelievable opportunities of that community. Uh, there's a lot of uh, people just saying that they are uh, enjoying the interview and uh, they love Courtney Gaines and uh, <laughs> love rock, uh, rock horror operas. And AJ says you should be an inspirational speaker. Oh, that is so generous. Thank you so much. Um, I am sometimes. I hope I am. You know, I'm a board-certified life coach. Go figure. But that was, funny enough, segueing back to keeping it in the horror world, Ms. Vampy was a horror character I created, kind of uh -huh. like a sketch comedy. She's a comedic mobster Brooklyn vampire with a heart of gold. Is that and your you real accent? As Ms. Vampy? No, it's not. <laughs> well, I am Miss Vampy. She's a Brooklyn vampire. She's like, stay and play and have a bloody good time or bite me. I love her so much. And I hope that I get to make my vamp it out with two girls. And I'm going in a different direction with her. But the point of the story was, um, so I authored a book for teens. I did a, a talk show for teens. And so I became a board-certified life coach to have the credibility that I wanted for my, you know, Ms. Vampy show and all that stuff with all the teen stuff I did with Ms. Vampy. So for any moms with teenage tween and teen girls, look at my book. <laughs> I'm not trying to sell it, but I'm saying there's great inspirational messages for teen girls in it. And it's 
um, Ms. Vampy's Teen Talk. There's a lot of power in your choices. It's on barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com. It's award-winning, so I've been blessed to do that too. But again, you see, I kept it in horror, but tried to make it positive. So I hope to, you know, always spread positivity. Were, were you a horror movie fan uh, before getting in, into in, in making horror movies? Crazy, crazy. As a child growing up in the 80s, I lo- first of all, I was vampire obsessed. It's like almost like sick and a little sick and twisted in a sexy way, though. Like I remember being like five years old and watching, I must have seen some kind of like scary thing on TV at Halloween. And I like wanted to be bitten by a vampire. I wanted Dracula to bite me. I know it's like a little, a little too erotic right? for what we're talking about now. I go from inspirational to erotic, but um, I'm sure my husband would like that. Um, that being said, I loved the 80s. I mean, I really did. I, and like I said, you know, my parents were divorced when I was two. My, it was me and my mom in my house, you know, and we struggled and we would watch she would take me to movies and stuff and then as I got older I would go to visit my dad on the weekends and he was like the cool dad who had ready for this one the VHS so VCR whatever that right like VCR I've got so a bunch of them here I, on my bookshelf yes yes yes, yes, yes old, that's how old we are right and so I would like anytime I had the opportunity to go down to the corner you know I'm a Philly Jersey girl right so I would have the opportunity to walk down to like one of the stores at the shopping center and I loved the video. I mean, really, truly, this is the truth. Like, I was obsessed with the video stores, like the local shops. And I would just always, as a young girl, go right to the horror stuff. And when I was old enough and I was allowed to rent the famous horror films, I mean, I am, I think it's funny because a lot of our people are surprised at my knowledge of like horror movies, but I was obsessed with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. To me, that's still one of the most brilliant and scary films around. I was obsessed with um, uh, American Werewolf in London, obsessed and in love with David Naughton. I was a little, little girl, and I was like in love with David Naughton. I was in love with David Naughton. Let's see. What else did I love? And then, you know, the powerful, fun which I think are some of the best movies around, the 80s, all of them. I mean, I'll be cliche when I say, like, the original Halloween. I did, you know, one of my favorite movies ever was the original Prom Night. I loved, still to this day, and that was my, you know, love for Jamie Lee Curtis, I loved the original Prom Night because there, it had heart and there was a story, and that's what I love. I love the brother-sister story in there and the pain of losing the other sister. I, I'm giving spoiler alerts, but I'm sure everybody's seen the original comic. But I also loved, um, oh my gosh, I loved Happy Birthday to Me. And I loved the original April Fool's Day. And I got a shout out to another, someone who I don't even really consider a screen queen, but she is because I just consider her more iconic, like mainstream, Kelly Maroney. Another soul sister, oh, yeah. one of my dearest, dearest Multiple friends who is yeah. just... She's great. Yes, she's amazing. And to me, again, I'm, I'm honoring her. Like, I don't just think of her as horror. Fast Times, Urgemont High, and big soap opera star. And But I and it's so funny because I look back and, again, like all these, some of my closest girlfriends, and I'm like, oh, my God, I was obsessed with Night of the Comet. <laughs> you know, movie, Night of the Comet and Shopping Mall. And, I love both movies, yeah. but... Night of the Comet. I don't know why, but they would show it all the time on one of the pay channels, HBO or something. When I was when I was a yes. kid, that was a movie they just would show yes. all the time, and I'd watch it many minutes. Yes, 
And chopping and it's so crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yes, and like it's so crazy because Tristan, you probably feel this way. You know, again, when you get to that level where you get to do, like I was saying, and you know, I do less now because I'm not as relevant. But like when I used to do a lot. Shout out to Cool Waters Productions, Derek Mackey, who's my booking agent for appearances for 15 years. And when Derek would get me on the whole circuit and I would do the Crypticon Seattle's and the Crypticon, like the big conventions. And if you're sitting there and to this day, I'm still like starstruck. I'm still a fan girl. And like to this day, I just remember, I mean, like I remember meeting Elvira for the first time. I remember meeting Adrian Barbeau and having it next to her. I remember meeting Eileen Dietz, who I love to this day. She was at my wedding too. Like, all these old school greats and you're just like and Don Coscarelli I mean I spent an entire Crypticon Seattle hanging with Don Coscarelli like are you freaking kidding me Phantasm like and it's like these are my friends like it's crazy you know like Kelly's my dear friend like you know I, I just, Courtney Gaines is one of my best friends like Christine DeBell Meatballs are you kidding me like we go back to like and you just think you're like wow but there are people too and, you know, we're all human and we're all messed up. We're all a hot mess in some way. And we all have ebbs and flows. And, you know, sometimes my friends who are veterans older than I and veterans in this industry and have had those famous, famous, famous titles. And yet they cry and complain and they're like, but I haven't had a title like that in 20 years. 30, you know, and I'm just like, shut up because I wish I had that title ever, you know, but probably my Slime City Massacre is that, you know, whole memorable known title, thanks to Greg. And so, and of course, Slime City Apocalypse will really be like my, me- <laughs> I hope he's <laughs> listening to that, but um, will really be my memorable title. But so, yeah, so it's just incredible. And thank you for going down memory lane, you guys, with me. This no, is really I- fun. I needed this. I've been so depressed. Real quick, I have to share. You guys won't know this, and I'm actually moving my hand. This is the happiest I've been. You don't know this. Right after our last show, our reunion show, I took a fall on my back patio. Oh, body slammed. Oh, no joke. Body slammed. This is how everybody see, – see, when you think everything's so perfect with other people, I have been so effed up for the last month. Took a body slam on my back, neck, and spine. My husband had to rush into the ER. They packed me in ice. They put me in a neck brace. I have to wear – I can laugh now, but it's not funny. I have to wear a spinal – Back, like vest brace, a neck brace, and I might have to have hand surgery. I took my brace off because I didn't want it to be in our video. I'm not doing it to feel sorry for myself or to have your pity. I'm just saying because we all go through crap, truly. I mean, we were chatting about it via Twitter earlier, DMing, Neil and I, like we're talking about exercise, weight gain. I put 10 pounds on a, I have to admit, I ate more pizza and drank more wine than ever with my husband during pandemic and isolation, but B, I'm having some health issues. I'm having a major thyroid issue. Again, don't share. I'm saying, so I'm I'm like, oh my God, for all you women out there, and of course, I'm a celebrity ambassador for breaking the chains foundation for people, especially young women with body image and body and eating disorders. So I hate myself right now, but I'm feeling that. Like all you women watching, you know, who get so down on yourself when you gain five pounds, 10 pounds, especially actresses. Like we need to give ourselves a break and guys too, man, you know, look at you. Like, I know you have felt it right. And you look amazing. Like we all have shit going on. We all have issues. We all, no one is perfect. We're perfectly imperfect. Just the way we are. It's in my book that I wrote coaching from a hot mess. So if I can create any joy and positivity for you guys and for me today, then I'm so happy. And you guys have done that for me. So thank you for this opportunity. 
thank you for coming on and oh, yeah. i'm happy that i think we're all happy that people can uh we have fun and it's good the people that are watching have fun and it's great that the just as long as after this one you don't get body slammed again or fall down <laughs> yeah just, don't make it a trend now. <laughs> right, yeah, don't. i swear I told my husband, like, I'm falling apart, literally, literally. I'm like, well, thank God I'm still sort of isolated with my health and in pandemic because, I mean, I can't get on a film set right now anyway. So, but that's okay because I'm so damn busy working in my office at home, like 12, 15 hours a day on post-production. Again, I was so blessed in the fall to have a lot of projects. If I can, I want to shout out real quickly to another project that is a I call it, it's a drama to me, but it's it's a drama, and to me, it's a romance film that women will love, men will love, but it has a big twist of sci-fi, and it's a film that I co-produced as well, got to play a supporting role, and it's titled The Morning, and so everybody check out The Morning on, it should be on Amazon Prime now, it just released on Tubi TV, we love Tubi TV, because everything's on Tubi TV now, but you check it out, The Morning, and I, I'm so proud of it, it was a piece that went to sag after conversations a few years ago and we re-released it and i love my role but beyond that i mean to work with incredible people mark klebanoff directed it who also directed the stripped pilot that i got to star with casper Dean in the fall and i was one of the producers on that so we are working on distribution for it right now a lot of good stuff going on but also outside of horror but the morning to all the sci-fi fans watching um Definitely check it out. And Louis Mandalore, Dominique Swain, Michael Walton is a star. He wrote it for himself as a piece. It's, he's brilliant. And Peter Dobson, and I know I'm forgetting who, but just a, an amazing cast, a beautiful piece that looks like film, that looks like a $2 million film, and it's incredible. So check out The Morning, everyone. I have to shout out to that. Red Rooms, I will bring you more when I have it. We already talked about Stacey Lane Wilson's The Second Age of Aquarius. That is so good. And we are working diligently on post. And I'm so lucky to be a part of that. And there's some goodies coming up with that film, too. Some great merchandising products we're working on. And I know I'm going to be forgetting stuff. But, oh, everybody wait for it. I'll have to come back and talk about this one. But Thomas Churchill is releasing the day of the dead that I got to act in. So that I'm super excited about too. It's finally getting a proper release horror. Keep your eyes open for that. And I will know more soon. I'm like kind of, and anyway, I'm just, I feel very lucky right now, even in pain, even in, you know, braces to have the opportunities that I've had and that I'm having during a really awful time in this world and i know you guys are in the same boat and trist i'm so proud of you you just got back from doing a movie and just keep doing what you do and keep being you well thank you i'm glad that you're okay <laughs> thank you oh good i'm always good it too shall pass it too shall pass but i'm truly i feel so good right now and i just and i just want to thank you guys and everybody who's watching and, and sending in messages like not for my sympathy, but just to share that I'm so effed up too. I'm truly a hot mess. My friends laugh. They're like, if anything can happen, it's going to happen to Brooke. Like I'm cursed, but <laughs> we take, you know, we take lemons and make lemonade. Right. And so we have to really keep doing that, especially at these challenging times. 
I agree. And when you said about, you know, the horror community and then you're saying about everyone, you know, is still a person. When I started going to uh, the conventions, you could really see that because the, the actors, they treat it all, you know, they like yourself, most of the actors don't like to call people fans. They call them friends or, and everyone was, uh, they all shared like a love of uh, the genre and everyone was, just, it was just a community, an actual community. Like, uh, I, it's hard to think of the conventions now without Sid Haig, but, you know, he was a huge part of the, the conventions when I would go, and and he treated everyone, you know, just uh, just like a person. And that's yeah. what I really liked about the conventions. Yeah. Yeah, it was like one big fraternity, you know, and, and, and again, they exist. I get invited a lot less now, um, but also the money is very different than when we used to get nice paying you know, guarantees. It's a, it, the whole industry is different now. And again, and I say this always humbly, like they don't need me when contractually the cast of The Walking Dead has to go to the conventions now. You know, it's it's like Comic Con. So, and I'm you know, again, I share that because I made peace with that. Like, and maybe one day I'll be on a TV series that is comparable to that, and I will get that invitation again. Right. But right now, oh, that does exist for me, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm. I'm at peace with where I am. I'm so blessed. I'm around wonderful people. And I want to choose again, as we go into a really tough time in the world, when I leave pandemic and whatever, you know, I get to choose. We get to choose you guys. You get to choose. There's power in choice. Choose who you want to be around. Choose who you want to work with. Choose people who make us feel good. There's too much, too much sadness and, and shit in the world right now. Choose good. I, you know, a lot of friends, um, you know, actors who were at the conventions, and re- when the the uh, Walking Dead was at its height, uh, and I think people would think they say this in a bitter way, like they didn't like the Walking Dead actors being guests. But if you talk to them, they explain it because a lot of the the fans of the Walking Dead weren't necessarily horror movie fans; they were fans of the Walking Dead. So they would come, and they would go to the Walking Dead people but they wouldn't care about, you know, someone from Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Friday the 13th. And it also hurt the vendors because they wouldn't go and buy uh, merchandise with, um, you know, obscure horror movie stuff on. So it might be, it looks like there's a lot of people there, but it was really just to go see uh, just a small percentage of the actual people at the convention. And it would hurt the other people and hurt the, uh, the vendors, which is a big part of the convention. 100%. And like, everything else and this is where I have to catch myself and we were talking about this whole conversation before the show like off air I had to catch myself because like I have to speak my truth and like it's like everything else it's like when Comic-Con first started and it was like a genre thing con you know years ago and then it became corporate listen I went to Sundance with a film you guys with a group in oh my gosh I was right out of college I mean it was like 1998 maybe and then I didn't return again until 2004. And then I just went in 2004 just to go party. But we were there with, the, with a film that was not in Sundance, but it was in screening there or whatever. And like the difference in that time frame from 1998 to 2004, and that's really not that many years. I can't even tell. We all know like Sundance became corporate. It became Hollywood, just like Comic-Con did, just like a lot of the conventions have And it's, you know, they have to make money. Everybody needs to make money, and I have to support that. But it's just different, you know. It's just different. Uh, Jennifer Kirschmeyer, she says uh, she loves you and hope that you feel better. Oh, 
thank you, Jennifer. That's so sweet. I'm so touched. Again, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not one of those people. That is something I really have integrity around. No sympathy for me. I'm really in gratitude. Thank you, Jennifer, so much. Thank you all for just being here with me. That's what I'm grateful for. This is like fun for all of us. That's what I was tweeting earlier. Like we're all in such, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like I have friends. I have a lot of my business associates are really depressed right now. And so, and having a really hard time and trying to figure out how are they going to survive, especially in Hollywood, you guys, you know, rents are six grand a month for one bedroom at this point. And so it just to, to have joy and hopefully we're bringing you guys joy. That's the most important thing. I will be fine. Don't you worry. I have more movies to make. And it's a weird question. So hopefully there's a story here. Uh, if not, I don't know why I asked this, but Greg want to know if you have any weird allergies. <laughs> He's busting my balls again, right? So he knows. So again, you can tell. So you can tell when you become friends with the people you work with, and of course they have to embarrass you. But yes, I will care. So I am the girl on the bubble, as you already know, and have a lot of health issues, and always have nice severe allergies, and it's so sad. And I know you guys are going to hate me because I'm such dog. I'm such a dog lover. I really am. But all you animal activists. I love animals. Please don't think I don't. I'm deathly allergic, so I cannot be around them. And trust me, I've lost out on many of acting opportunities because of it. I've had to walk away from films because they were filming in a horse stable or a dog kennel. That being said, why Greg's bringing it up. So back to Kill the Rack. And I'm telling you, we I'm cursed again when it comes to Greg Lamerson movies, but in a fun way because we always have these crazy freaking stories. So we shared the Slime City Massacre story. You guys want to hear the Slime City Massacre story? Yes. Go back and watch our Slime oh, City Massacre reunion. <laughs> Check out that video and you'll get the whole scoop about my about the fire in my hotel. Yes, that's all I'm saying. Cut to Killer Rack, our next film we did together, and I'm voicing the Killer Rack. Yes, I did. So I'm voicing <laughs> uh, the boobs. <laughs> I wonder why. And so we are, so we're like debating, you know, and I'm also like working a little bit on producing this film as well with Greg. And so we're working on, do I fly out to Buffalo? What's, and at this point you're making, you know, a low budget film. Do you spend the money flying me out to Buffalo, taking a million flights to get there and, you know, the expense, or do we keep me in LA? I'm just doing the voice at this point. Do we go to the recording studio here? So the answer is we go to the recording studio in Hollywood. So Greg is working out a bunch of deals and stuff and we're talking and he calls a dear friend of his John who I know through we know it's so crazy like how small the industry really is so I know John through the horror writing and everything and so John lives with Fawn Fawn who is a dear friend of mine who I actually have lost touch with it's so insane who I met at a women in film event years prior and sat with her and became friends we then lost touch for a couple years Greg's like, okay, here's the address. You're going to a recording studio. This woman is going to produce the voiceover for you. And we're talking like a nice chunk of voiceover. So we're talking like not just an in and out situation. We're talking like a full day and night. We did like afternoon into evening, big time chunk of laying down the voiceover for the character. So I go to the recording studio and it's in the basement of their ginormous beautiful house they have up here in the Hollywood Burbank Hills. So I love you, Fawn. We are serious. I, in fact, I just did her acted in her music video for Black Lives Matter called Wait for the Sun. So we'll shout out to that later. But back to the story. 
So Fawn is an animal activist. And I love Fawn, but she's like fanatical when it comes to like saving the, the animals. She has, and I'm, forgive me if I'm quoting like the wrong number, but something up of probably over 14 pets. Now here's the girl in the bubble who's definitely allergic to animals. But I clear it first. I'm like, okay, guys, the recording studio is separate of the 14 animals that are in the house and outside the house, right? And they're like, yes, it's a full-blown professional recording studio. So I go, okay, cool. We go to the house. I go down the stairs. She's like, would you like to come in and have a drink? I'm like, no, got to go right into the recording studio. Go down. So I'm in the recording studio. So now it's about two hours in. So when I get there, we start, we set up, I got the headsets on, the mic, like we start to lay down the voice and I'm like sniffling. And I'm like, are you sure there's no animals that come down into the recording studio? She's like, oh no, the animals never come down into the recording studio. I'm like, okay, that's weird. I'm getting scratchy throat. Now you guys, you hear what I'm saying to all the viewers, this is a voiceover job. I'm doing like a, like changing up my voice and doing hopefully good acting work while I'm doing the voice of the killer rat, the boobs. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose my voice. I'm going to, I, I can't breathe. But so long story long, we're about an hour in my throat starts to close up. I'm like, I need to get air. I need to get air. I need to go outside and get air. So I go out and get air. I powered through, but about, Three hours in, I totally had an asthma attack. I'm coughing up a lung. So, and this is the irony of the whole thing. So Fawn, who's just wonderful and truly a dear friend of mine, she's like, okay, okay, you know what? Let me put the air conditioning on. Let me put the air really high. Maybe it'll help you. I'm like, yes, yes, you have air. Put the air on. It's going to help me. Unbeknownst to me, where did the animals sit? Right up above. Here's the air conditioner vent right above my head. The cold air is blowing in my face for hours, unbeknownst to me, all the animals, cats, dogs, birds, everything, goats, I mean, you name it, she has it. The most highly allergic animals are right, here's the other side of the vent, resting right by the vent. So by three hours in, I'm dying, I'm choking, I'm like, I don't know what to do, I'm going to call Greg, I have to go outside like every hour, they're giving me inhalers, I'm outside getting fresh air every chance I get, I made it through you guys, I'm a trooper, I see, I'm no sissy, powered through, but I almost died voicing Killer Rack. You can laugh, it's funny now. What a way to go! (laughs) This story of my, I'm telling you, that's why I wrote a book. I'm a hot mess. I own it. Mm-hmm. See, I almost Nido talked says twice. hello. Who does? Nido. Oh, how cute. I did this. I love dogs. Wait, so wait, really, I just thought of this. So that's not once, but twice. I almost died on a Greg Lamberson production. <laughs> it's a ring endorsement here for Greg, but, but almost though, almost. It's not, you're fine now. The things we do for the things we love. Right. So uh, uh, you mentioned earlier Sinatra Club. I was interested in that because uh, I'm a mafia fan, a mafia movie fan. Maybe not necessarily a fan of the mafia. But... I'm a fan of the mafia. <laughs> the real one. In Jersey, New York. Mm-hmm. So I think we mentioned that uh, before one time when we were chatting or something. And, you know, that's a film I'm in incredibly proud of and it is a mafia movie it is a mobster movie for all the mafia fans it's a two million dollar mobster picture 
I actually found the script. I met someone who was pitching the script at a Halloween party in 2004. I fell so in love with it. I was the champion for the script. I helped to bring it down to LA, package it. And we actually shot this film in 2009 at a studio in LA. It got distributed originally by Warner Brothers and then Gravitas did the streaming and the uh, DVDs. Originally, it was a Warner Brothers picture. We had a limited theatrical that things kind of messed up a bit, which I want to be respectful. But um, set, so do the math. 2004 to 2011, seven years of my life. I was one of, one of five main producers. And really, that I probably, from making the most mistakes, including including giving my power away as a woman at times, but I believed in the project so much that I chose to stick it out, but making the most mistakes, I learned the most. I learned the most about myself. I learned the most about myself as a producer, most about myself as a woman, most about myself as an actress, and made a very conscious choice when that film ended, and I'm so proud of it. Please know that, and I got to work again. I shouted out earlier, but to just to work opposite people like Danny Nucci from Titanic and, and Jason Gedrick from Iron Eagle and Michael Norrie from Flashdance and Ellen, Ellen Hallman from Spartacus, who we plucked out. I mean, think about this. This is 2004. We shot it 2009 to so cast 2008, um, who became a megastar, you know, Spartacus and all these great films. And so um, just a great opportunity. And I learned so much from it. And I'm so proud of it. And that's a film that I actually also took a supporting role in because I believed in it, it was the right role for me. So that shows that, you know, as an actress, you resonate to the roles that are right for you. It doesn't always have to be a lead. You go with the role that is in your niche, that is inspiring to you, that speaks to you, that makes sense for you. And Rosella, the comedic, the brunette, we were like the comedic relief in a dramatic biop, biopic. I mean, this was a, this is a real story based on a script that Sally Box Polisi wrote that was the night John Gotti became John Gotti. Truth, real truth. And he went to the witness protection program and came out and we made the film. And so you may have read this in some of my interviews. This is something I just love to share. Like, so it was very sexy, very mysterious, like in pre-production for many years with this piece. And we would literally have meetings at 10, 11, 12 o'clock midnight at the Sportsman's Lodge, the famous Sportsman's Lodge where all the old rockers used to party um in studio city and we would have our production meetings in like a back hotel suite you know like 20 of us 10 of us whatever it would be you know and for years and it was amazing and a project that was one of the hardest a two million dollar piece i mean based on a true story one of the most difficult projects i've ever been involved in producing but one of the greatest in so many ways and so i took the supporting role that was right for me and played the comedic monster, like, you know, Hooker Gumata. I loved it. And, but really it was the challenge of producing and it was a hard road, but an amazing road, but it taught me to value myself and what I'd be willing to do in the future and what I wouldn't. And when to take a project and know when to exit and to know your worth and to know that for me, I have to be paid properly when I do a project now. I, I have to be paid. Pro and I was actually paid very well as an actress and okay as a producer. And again, we chose to 
you know, where to allocate the funding and financing because we needed it with such a huge project and a huge cast and, and everything. But that being said, now, like, that's probably segueing around to today, I have to just share, probably one of my biggest conundrums or questions or conflicts. And again, Trista, I don't know if you have this, you know, for me, no, it's not about the money. And I've actually, because I've wondered at times and maybe people think I'm a horrible actress and that's okay. I already know because I have haters and people who have written horrible blogs about me. And then I also know I have a lot of fans and people who say that I'm a brilliant actress and it doesn't matter. It's all subjective, but you know, sometimes I go, you know, we all question and I go, well, how come, you know, my friend is producing this film or directing this film and they didn't invite me to be in it. Like, was there nothing for me? I don't need to play a lead. And I question like what interest is shaking your head. So I'm curious to see what you have to say about this on your end. And like, I go, well, why not me? Like, why wasn't I asked to be in that? I'm perfect for that role. And then later come to find out, like sometimes I'll ask or sometimes someone will tell me, well, they were interested in you, but they said, oh, we can't afford Brooke. And so as flattering as that is, yes, I'm affordable. I'm more affordable than you think, but will I work for free? No. And from this point on to when pandemic exits, like I, I've thought about so much about what I want and the type of projects I want to be involved with and make. And like, we have to know our value. We have to be paid for the work that we do. And there's always negotiating always, but to me, and this is actually something shout out to Jessica Cameron, who I love, like she once we were having coffee a couple years ago and you know, she's such a maniac. And I say that in such a positive way. Like I have so much admiration for her because I wish I, she's so smart and knows the industry and knows everyone and like speaks her mind, man, like nobody's business. And I admire that. And, but she taught me a couple of years back, we were having coffee one day and she said something about hobbyists. And she taught me, I never heard that word at that time. It had just come out, I think. And she taught me about hobbyists and she's like, yeah, well, they're hobbyists. Like Brooke, you hold a standard, like you get paid as an actress. I always have, I don't know this world. And yes, when I'm producing something that's my project, Philly Chick Pictures, and I have financed it, am I going to like, you know, not pay myself? Usually I'll pay myself if it's union, of course, I'll pay through SAG. But like, you know, am I always going to pay myself a chunk? No, you know, it is what it is if it's mine. But other people's like, we have to get paid for our work. And again, it may be low, but you have to respect yourself. And Again, segueing back to Sinatra Club, I'm forever blessed and grateful. And it is such a quality film. And I think you should definitely watch it, anyone who loves mobster movies. But also, it taught me to know my worth. <clears throat> is that, because um, you talked about being in, uh, liking horror movies. Uh, what other kind of movies did you like before you became an actor? So, I love... I loved musicals. I still do. I loved, you know, anything. Grease. I mean, I watched, I think I had the Grease. You might not know about me, but I like musicals as well. Really? Oh, my God. Like, Grease. And did you see Grease 2 ever? I'm not a big fan of Grease 2, but I do like Grease. Grease is the word, is the word that you heard. It's got groove. I mean, mean. right? Like, that was like musicals, just positivity, you know? And I loved Grease 2, I have to say. And let's talk about Michelle Pfeiffer. And let's talk about Maxwell Caulfield, who shares with the same talent manager here in LA. Like, again, you look at these incredible mainstream movie stars, right? And like, look what they did back in the day. You know, everyone has their thing. How about Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger in what version of like one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Part four, I believe. uh, Is it The Return or? 
It's part right. four, but it's got it's it's not called part four. It's the return or something. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you'd be surprised. So, so again, all for me, and I, I don't want to repeat myself and waste your time. Like, but the mysteries, the mysteries. I mean, I loved Agatha Christie. Every, everything Agatha Christie. I'm obsessed with Elizabeth Taylor. So even movies like The Murrcraft, and I know it's like crazy. I rented it recently. Like. I love that. Brian De Palma to me is a god, you know, so is Hitchcock. But I mean, I love, I love the Hitchcockian films like, you know, North by Northwest. We're not just talking vertigo and horror stuff like North by, I love that, that, I mean, I would die, like, I would kill, if you put me on a TV series that was that kind of Hitchcockian, even the Twilight Zone, you know, or like, I would be the happiest woman in the world. Like, I love that shit. By the way, yeah. AJ Zyla uh, corrected me. It's the next generation is uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Renee Zellweger. And, uh, I should have known that, but yeah. Trista, see what happened? See where they went from there? <laughs> well, I wanted to um, say that uh, Jessica Cameron's a great friend of mine as well. And um, what, what's really aspirational about her, and for me as an artist, you know, it was hard to, like, because you when you love the work and you do it for the right reasons, you would do it for free, right? But eventually, like, I have to make a living. I have to be a human. My bills don't pay themselves, right? So, like, yeah, you need to... I, I, I have, like, a handful of people that I love that I'll work for, like, a favor rate because I love them and I believe in them. And that's more of a long-run thing. Like, I want to collaborate them with them down the line. But, like, they're not trying to insult me or take advantage of that either. Um... But yeah, like if you're if you're doing something for a living, you deserve to get paid for. But um, I, and I don't work for free either. But um, Jessica Cameron specifically impresses me on a consistent basis because she's um, very savvy, very smart, very outspoken. But similar to you, she, um, you know, I guess you could say she's jaded. Like she does not suffer fools, but she has the kindest heart and is like genuinely a good human talk about saving animals like how many she also similar to Linnea quickly like she has like 20 pets because she takes every animal that she finds because of her huge heart so I find myself drawn to women like her like you who are empowered passionate smart but haven't lost that uh, resolve for what really matters. And, and, and being a good human is the most important. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, somebody said, speaking of real quick with allergies, just so Jessica and I were having coffee at Starbucks, probably literally, I'm going to say, right around her birthday, like literally before the pandemic, I'm going to say, right before it. And she, because she loves animals so much, Every time, so we were sitting at like a corner table not too far from the register. So that's where a million people were lining up. We're in Hollywood, right? So, so every time people would come in with their dogs, with their cats, whatever, holding them, she would go and pet them. And then she would hug me. And then we hugged. Oh, no. The end. Oh, yes. And I'm like breaking out in hives all the time. Yes, I kill you. <laughs> but it is, she's such an animal lover that like she'll reach and play with all the. It's so funny. It made me think of it. But that's how bad my allergies are. But yes, yes, she taught me, 
she so I love learning from my younger friends. Like she taught me about the hobbyist deal and she taught me that I love this other term, hate watching. She taught me hate watching. <laughs> oh, I don't know this. So she was like, I was, she was talking about someone that she didn't respect in the industry. And she, I said, oh, but did you watch their film? She goes, no, I don't hate watch. And I died. Like, I'm like, I need my younger friends to teach me all the terms like this. Like, I died. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. Hate watch. Like, when you watch someone you don't like yeah, respect yeah. and you watch their work. Right, right, right. You're all laughing now. And it's called hate watching. Yes, I hate just I don't waste my time or energy. I don't hate watch. I'm like, you're brilliant. <laughs> We've had yeah. Jessica on the yeah. show a lot of times. So I, I went to the website to look up when, and I'm going to mention some because it's kind of a weird coincidence. But so we had her on originally in 2010, and she's been on a bunch of times. And she set up a lot of guests, too, to help uh, promote, you know, other independent uh, movies, which was of cool. Course. And uh, over the years, I was really impressed, too. And I don't know her as well as, as YouTube, but I know her you know, fairly well online. And I met her a few times when I was in L.A. And, uh, but I was impressed that she's really uh, grown since we had her on the show and got her name. Really, really good at promotion, getting her name out there. But was it so, so when I looked is. it up in 2010, you know, I have the notes of what we talked about. And uh, she talked about uh, the Golden Cobb Award for Best Rising B-Movie Actress, and it was 2010, so it would have been the same year that you won uh, the, the Golden Cobb for, uh, for Scream Queen. I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. You know, that is the first time. So, so we had sort of been like little sort of fans. And, you know, she's younger, so she had been coming up you know, just after me. And like, so we used to follow each other on Twitter, whatever. And we met for the first time at the B-Movie Awards in 2010. She was nominated, like you said, Best Rising, New, new Screen Queen or New Star. And I was nominated for Best Horror Actress Screen Queen. And we finally met in person for the first time. And I actually introduced her to a few horror filmmakers who lived down in that area at the time. I'll never forget. And I was like, oh, she's a handful. This girl, she's gorgeous, like fun, bubbly. I'm like, she's a handful. And it was funny because at one point in time, and she is, we are so outspoken and so speaks her mind and truth. And I was like, oh my God, I'm scared. Like, I don't know how, how to handle that, you know? And we like were not, there was like a chunk of time where we were not friends. Like I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about her, you know? Cause I didn't know, I didn't know her well. And I didn't know, you know, and this isn't the Jessica Cameron show, but just, we love you. And so, <laughs> and then year, a couple years later, we reconnected and she reached out to me for something and like we reconnected and I'm like, you know what, Jess, I owe you an apology. Like I shouldn't have listened to blah, 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 you know, shit talk from other people about you or an experience you had with them. Whatever. And we just bonded and became the closest of friends. I just, uh, she really, she's another one that's like a soul sister and like holds a special place in my heart. And I, I have nothing but love and admiration for her. And she, I like to be more like her because, and Trista will attest to this, she just speaks her mind. And I love that. She has no, she has, she will, she will tell you like it is. And I think we all need friends like that. It's very important. But, but there's a lot of goodness being spewed yes. to you. Like, yes. <laughs> along with speaking her mind, like, she, uh, that's where the big heart is. 
as well. Like she's abusive with love the same way she is with uh, more critical honesty, I would say. 100%. I mean, truly, I agree with you. And, and I, if it came out differently, that's not happening. Like she schools me on a lot of around the industry. Like, because there's so much appearance and reality and she will set me straight and tell me like what the real situation is going on over here, right? And you are correct. She does it with positivity. Um, but I will say, and this is where you're 100% right, what I love about her is she's so supportive of other women. So supportive. She never tries to like knock me down. She always builds me up. She always is the first one to leave positive comments on social media and stuff. And like, yeah, no, she's real deal. She's real deal. You talked about a lot about, uh, you know, uh, stuff that you have working, you're working on, but a lot of people are asking in the chat if there's anything uh, that you haven't mentioned uh, that, that you're working on currently. Um, great questions. A lot of right now I've had, I will say this, I've had a lot of meetings um, for forward thinking projects when pandemic is over. I'm, I'm still being very careful and that's just because I have like a compromised immune system, but um, and out of respect and integrity, and I hate to have, I hate to be a hypocrite about certain things. So, um, so there's stuff like I'm trying to refocus and revamp, pun intended, my Vamp It Out script, which is the TV pilot now with a full TV Bible and a full script for teen girls, and, but positive messages, very current um, so shout out to, to Kevin, Kevin Michael Smith, not Kevin Smith from Clerks, Kevin Michael Smith, who in fact, we have been working during pandemic to sort of, uh, revamp the script and the pilot with that. So we are, we submitted to some really big screenwriting competitions and I, which is not my thing. I'm not, I don't fancy myself a writer. I don't have the patience for it. I respect writers so, so much. But this is my passion project, and I did write it many, many years ago, and we've revamped it from a screenplay to a TV pilot to all this stuff. So I am still trying to bring Vamp It Out back. Spoiler alert, I am and have been sort of in redevelopment for that. Ironically, this is how life works. I mentioned The Cure with Mark Weiser in New York when I was 22 right out of college, and... I then optioned the script and it's titled In My Blood and it's a, like I said, a vampire rock opera and the female lead is one of my obsession characters that I would die to play and so I am sort of revamping that a bit because I'd like to, look, I'd like to play, do these two things, vamp it out and In My Blood before I'm too old to play the roles that were written for me, you know, that I would like to play. So they're both in the works. Um, Probably no. I shouted out to The Morning that just came out on Tubi. I shouted out to Red Rooms that we were in post-production. I shouted out to The Second Age of Aquarius. We're in post-production. We're in a lot of post-production, which is great. So I'm very grateful that I had all those opportunities in the fall. Um, Stripped again, I shouted out briefly too. So fingers crossed. Everybody root for us for Stripped again. The lead, is, the star is Casper Van Dien, who we all know and love. He's amazing. We've got, again, Louis Mandalore, Jessica Morris, Dat Fan, Suze Lanier's in that one, too. Um, Larry Hankin from Home Alone and Everything, and now the new Breaking Bad movie. And I know Frank Krueger and, oh gosh, uh, Jenny Wenger, Casper's beautiful wife, who I've just come to love, and she's amazing. And so just, I'm sure I'm like, leaving out 
people, but I apologize. I can't name everyone right now, but um, yeah. So stripped is in post-production and we have a lot of, it's, it's a, it's a TV series. So we have a lot of interest. So we are in pitch meetings diligently for distribution for that and have, so fingers crossed. So I'm saying everything I think I'm allowed to say. Um, yeah. And a couple of projects that we've taken the chance and submitted courageously to like Sundance, Slamdance and who the hell ever knows, you know, that, that what 2% chance you get into some of the top tier festivals, but I don't know. I don't know what the future is going to bring. And I'm open to not right now, because I don't want to be on set with 50 coughing people, but <laughs> no offense. And I don't judge anyone else, but for me, I can't, but like, I would love to receive scripts if there are roles for me. And I'm starting to get to that point where, you know, I want to be able to play the 40 year old strong, badass, you know, intelligent woman. And I'm craving those, those mature vixen, you know, roles to sink my fangs into. So any filmmakers that may be watching this, please consider me because my rates are not that high, but yes, I need to be paid. No, I will not work for free. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Where would they uh, contact you? One other quick shout out, if I may, one other quick shout out, and it's a shout out, not for this reason, I'm not trying to promote my clothing line, but I do have, I was very blessed to be, to be branded with a clothing line almost five years ago, four and a half years ago, Metal Babe Mayhem, and everybody can check out Metal Babe, you can go to brooklewis.com, I'm Brooklewis Bellis now, but brooklewis.com is my main website, press site, and Metal Babe Mayhem is, all the links are there, we have a lot of the like rock your hot mess shirts and stuff, but I bring it up because it's, it's Allison metal babe Cohen's birthday today. And she is one of my incredible girl power partners who truly supports me through everything. And I am incredibly grateful and indebted to her. So I love you metal babe. So happy birthday, Allison metal babe Cohen and check out metal babe mayhem. I had to say that you can go to brooklewis.com. You can go to phillychickpictures.com and go to missvampy.net and on social media, Brooke Lewis LA is my fan page on Facebook, which I finally got back after I was hacked. Yeah, I noticed. Um, I was, I was wondering if it was the one that, that was hacked originally and you got it back or if you had to make a new one. So, well, again, I, I know we talked about that last time and I don't need to like break the subject, but so I they were able to bring the link back in a different way, remove it, my entire account, every piece of content of 10 years, every photo I ever took at every horror convention with every celebrity, with every friend, on every film set, Trista, feel my pain here, gone. Every comment, every everything, they emptied it. Thank you, Cats PR, my amazing publicist. They were able to reach out to the Facebook PR, so they were able to put a link back. They stole my freaking verification. That's what they wanted because overseas now, they can make money with it. So they stole, they were pros, they stole the entire link. But we have a link back. I had to rebuild it. I spent the entire time I was in traction two weeks ago for a week. I was oh. like bedridden, my neck brace, right? Right. When I fell. So I rebuilt and added content, which I'll be adding this beautiful interview there. And so everybody follow at Brooke Lewis LA on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. Very good. I know it sucks. Be careful, please. Everybody do not click on links. If you get sent links, DM links, I know so many people, especially people who are verified in celebrities and public figures, do not click on any links because they are fraud and they will steal your information and it sucks. Yeah, I know I mentioned this the last show, but I mean, I myself, you know, that's where I, I, my Facebook is where I keep a lot of photos. Like if I was, uh, when I was in England and 
uh, and you don't think about it. You think, well, you know, it'll be there forever. But if something would happen, you know, you'd lose all these uh, all these photos. You should, I guess, also back things up. Back Again, up. you don't really think about it, I think, when you're you posting this stuff. Back it up. Neil, I'm telling you, save to go on. You have time and just put them in a folder on your Dropbox or whatever you use. Back it up because I lost a lot of memories. And thank God I kept, I had a lot saved because I'm an anal Nelly and I save every, I have like a gazillion folders in my Dropbox, but I lost some stuff. And more importantly, more importantly, my fan comments, like it broke my heart, you know, beautiful, beautiful comments that I'll never have again. Yeah. And and for, and for them too, you know, they could go and, you know, look back at stuff that they commented on. Yeah. That's uh, this stuff you can't replace. Yep. It's too bad, but I'm Welcome glad that I'm glad it's back in, in some way anyway. Thank you. I have the page. I have a page back. Yeah. And I, I want to ask real quick too, is because um, you've mentioned Tubi a couple times and, you know, doing a, uh, a series uh, with the rise of all the different platforms, has that helped, you know, as a producer, you know, because there's so many different places you, you could, uh, something can go now. We'll be here two more hours if I answer that in detail and honestly. <laughs> um, so 50-50, and I'm going to answer it honestly because you know I will. Um, on a pop, no, let me go on a negative. Let me go on a positive. On a positive note, sure, it's helped because whenever, 10, 15 years ago, whatever, could you create content and if some, if Lionsgate didn't want it, you had an opportunity to go to Amazon Prime or to go to Netflix in that capacity and have your show on a streaming TV platform. So the opportunity now is incredible. That being said, there is so much content. There are so many young filmmakers who are willing to give their content up for free or for no minimum guarantees. And again, I'm going to sound old school, but I know Greg's shaking his head right now. No minimum guarantees, no advances. I mean, I was from the era of you got an advance when you sold your film to the distributor. Now it's a whole new world. And yes, they offer them sometimes, but it's a challenge. So it is harder than ever for the filmmaker to make their money back right now. It is harder than ever. So that is where having gazillion platforms. I will also say this, and I don't mean to sound negative, but we're going to talk about the jaded part of me again. And Trista will attest to this. Like there is also, when you think of yourself as an actor and I don't need to be negative, but it's part of my upset or fear. I think because everything is so oversaturated and everyone now and I sit and listen to like the SAG-AFTRA videos all the time and they encourage the, the TikTok performers and Snapchat performers. They call them social media performers and I'm not ragging on them or you people that are watching, but let me just say this, that what I am saying is there's no, dis- dis- there's no distinction anymore. I don't know now how an actor could come who isn't, you know, related to Robert Redford and get their break when you turn on Netflix and there's 700 new series a day popping up. How does any one person, no matter how talented or brilliant you are, how do you stand out? How do you get that break when every day you've got, you know, HBO now, Peacock TV and did it. So yes, 
And no, on a positive, I always like to end on a positive. Um, there are so many more opportunities for your work to be seen. And if you're a filmmaker and you're just looking for the eyeballs, then the answer is yes, it is beneficial in every way. Yeah. Uh, usually when I ask that, uh, it really depends on someone's experience in the business, their answer. You know, if they've, uh, for, for uh, people just in the business now, just coming into it, it's a positive because they don't have, you know, they have a chance to be seen and people have been around longer, uh, you know, have some negatives to it. But I'm going to pick out the winner of the, uh, the DVD here. Let's see. And there was a lot of them. Thank you for uh, for uh, putting this out there. Let's see. And Yay! as you can see, I this is I I picked this up. I'm very happy because he's has some bad things going on. But uh, AJ's Isla. Maybe you can't see that. AJ. Nice. And there was like there's like names in here. That's very awesome. Well, I don't know what's going on. It's none of my business. But we're sending you lots of love and positive energy. Yeah. And you're a winner. Yeah, very good. I'm very happy. Do you happy want to pick one good. more? Neil, do you want to pick one more and I'll send an autograph picture? Like one of sure. the if you're, yeah, if you're, yeah, that's, that, that's great of you. Whatever they want. And we'll communicate. You guys will communicate with Neil and he'll let me know where to, who to sign to and address to and all that good stuff. Okay. The second one is Linky Major at Linky Major. So that's a Twitter one. Um, congratulations, Linky. <laughs> Thank you. Major. Thank yes. you for watching. Very good. Yes. Very good. And thank Yay. you. Thank you for doing that, Brooke. That's very nice of you. Oh, my honor. Oh, yeah, I'm that's so awesome. happy. Again, if I can help create any positivity anytime, but especially during this pandemic mess, I'm happy to. Yeah. Uh, that's a big part of us doing the, uh, the video show was uh, for us personally. And, you know, I think it, it's helped uh, people and makes, I know, makes all of us feel good if someone, you know, even if it's just a couple hours when they're watching the show. Uh, gets people's minds off something and yes. a good time. Yep. Yes. I'm so grateful. Yes. So I have to, uh, I should have had this ready, but I want to thank you for being on. Well, all of us will thank you for being on. It's thank been great. You. Definitely. And we'll thank definitely do it again. So thank you. I will be honored to come back again. Thank you guys. Truly, truly from the bottom of my horror heart honestly this has been so positive for me and again i hope it's been positive for the viewers that everybody did like you said neil got some break from the craziness and some joy and that we had a little bit of halloween you know entering halloween i'm like we're heading into halloween this is like the start right halloween season is, yeah. we'll make it fun I mean, so yeah it's oh, a yeah. Uh, last live show before uh before october starts so Yep. Maybe it's a weird year oh, for yeah. Halloween, but I know there's a lot of, but we mentioned that there's so many people I see like, Oh, Halloween's canceled. There's lots of things you can do for Halloween besides going door to door to people's houses, which honestly doesn't seem like the the best thing to be doing during the pandemic, going house to house, every, you know, across your neighborhood. Yeah. But there's, that doesn't mean that it's canceled and you can't do other things. There's plenty of things you could do. There's tons of virtual Halloween parties. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed people that I've never, I've never seen mention Halloween. All of a sudden, they're they're like huge supporters of trick or treating, and they're like, "We can't lose trick or treating." I'm like, "I've never seen you ever talk about Halloween in my life." But. It's Could be some good uh, virtual film festival. That's right. That's oh. October twenty fourth. Severed limbs without your head. Uh, number three. 
our, our virtual uh, film festival for short awesome. films. So there's still time to submit your uh, horror shorts. Fun. Is submit it, everyone. Yes. Yeah, and it's Deborah, something I always look forward to. Yeah, Deborah Lamb won Best uh, Actress at, at uh, the first one we did. She did? She did, yeah. She's good. She's, She's good. good. So I'm trying to get this uh, ready here. Well, yeah, we're going to leave with a, uh, a note here from Suze, a video note. I'm trying to get ready, so I'm just killing time here mumbling, but I think it's ready, so we're going to go to it. And again, thank you, Brooke, for doing this. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Love you. We'll be having you guys all soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Now I think we're ready. All right, here we go. Of course, it's a different size than my other videos. Oh, she's so beautiful. Isn't she inside and out? Oh, yeah. Very well put. Hi, Suze Lanier Bramlett here, the original Brenda from West Craven's The Original Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, but right now I want to talk about boating. Um, this is a picture of my dad. Now, he was neither a loser or a sucker, as Trump has referred to our servicemen and women who sacrifice their lives daily to defend democracy. Like John McCain, my dad was caught, captured and tortured in World War II, fighting a vicious dictator who killed millions of people. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had it with this current administration. I would love to have a president who represents decency. Someone who doesn't lie. Someone who's not afraid to show his tax returns. Someone who believes in science, not just padding their own pocketbook. And someone who wants to unite the people, not divide them. I hope you're registered to vote. And please consider supporting Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in this most important election of my lifetime and probably yours too. Biden-Harris 2020. Thank you. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. we should have The tomb of Nick Cage. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. The